0: Hello and welcome to Justice Losers, the most unqualified podcast exploring irrelevant questions about entertainment. I'm your host Preston. Joined as always by my delightful co-host Batman Matt. What should people do?
1: Like, subscribe, and check out our Instagram highlights. Yeah, this is the second time I'm saying this today, and it's going to be about as good as the first time.
0: Yep. Uh, uh, in case you didn't listen to last week's episode, uh, we are do go listen to the beginning of last week's episode to get at the full Justice
1: ex- Losers pod at Justice Losers pod at Instagram oh com.
0: Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I don't want you to finish your spiel. Uh, if you didn't listen to last week's episode or see last week's episode, go back and listen to the beginning of that for a longer explanation. Uh, but, long story short, we are ex- kind of stretching our podcast to mm-hmm. now be a What You Been Up choose a news episode and then a content ep- episode. Boy. I'm drinking bourbon, and also just ate jalapeno poppers. So all the things that give my acid reflex just everything it wants to Mm -hmm. hate me. Um... Yeah, so this week, this week it's just content. Yeah, we're just going to hop no, right in. No, no, no what you've been up to your news. Jumping straight into the content. Matt, what are we talking about this week? We're talking
1: about actors and directors.
0: Actors and directors.
1: And specifically when it's the same person. Yes. I made this joke last week, but it was a good one. I'm making it again.
0: Specifically the people that started as an actor and then decided they were too good for it. <laughs> Pretty much.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Although uh, many of them still do some plenty of acting. Yeah. Um, that means
0: orson wells though
1: you're out because he started as both an actor and a director and a writer
0: wow he just really wanted to be everywhere didn't he he's just a creative dude it what a like, dude
1: seems like things were a little more interchangeable back then just you know you got yeah. into the industry and you created did a little bit of everything and you got people coming from the stage to the screen that are probably more just actor types but a lot of people that got into movie industry on the ground floor right and by a lot i don't mean like a Majority or anything, but a yeah. significant percentage.
0: Yeah, for sure. But yeah. So what about them? I'm gonna name you some actors real quick. Okay. Clint Eastwood. He's a dude. He did some westerns. He was. Uh, I'm, gonna, he's I'm a gonna shoot Western. you with a he's, gun.
1: And he's the good guy and the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Although he's a pretty bad dude.
0: <laughs> and he's not the most attractive. No. <laughs> well, he's not the ugly. That's the ugly true. He's a different guy. No, oh, yeah, that's true. And
1: the bad is also a different
0: guy. Yeah. He's he's the good guy.
1: uh Kenneth Branagh.
0: Kenneth Branagh! I know he's, a He was, uh... A... He was the bad guy in Tenet.
1: Yeah! He has built a Russian accent.
0: Yeah! And he did Thor!
1: Yep. Among surprisingly Among the, many other things. Yeah!
0: Oh my god, I never connect... I genuinely never connected that. Like, I knew <laughs> that Kenneth Branagh did Thor, and I knew that Kenneth Branagh was the bad guy in Tenet, mm-hmm. but I never put them together as the same guy. That <laughs> guy directed that movie
1: fun fact Kenneth Branagh's voice is the first uh, audible line you hear in Infinity War really? yeah there's like a the you know the Asgardian ship gets attacked and you hear like a, a voice over a radio distress signal we are under attack massive casualties ah, yow, yow, it's Kenneth Branagh
0: oh, look at the Russo brothers bringing in a little, little, oh, little, a little, little tidbit fun little a little fun, a little yeah. fun thing Ron Howard. Uh, I do know Ron Howard. Ha- I didn't know Ron Howard was an actor first. He was a he was a child actor. He was on oh. um,
1: Blinking on the show right now, but he he was famous as a child actor. Okay. Um, he eventually starred in George Lucas's American Graffiti. Okay. In the late sixties, I want to say um and yeah he he did a, a little bit of acting before getting into directing
0: okay because i know he's like there's he has a master class on directing so mm-hmm. i knew him primarily as a director and he's responsible for solo which just, we'll, talk about mixed, we'll talk mixed mixed ideas <laughs> um but I, yeah i didn't know he was an actor first and so yeah i guess he he was you said he was primarily a child. I guess we'll talk about it more. So, yeah, he started out as a child actor, but he did some uh, he did acting, a in, acting. In, his, okay. in his
1: teens and early 20s. He didn't get into directing until the mid to late 80s, I want to say, really. How some. old is he? Uh, he's probably pushing 60 at this point.
0: Huh? Okay. Yep. Yeah. John Favreau. John Favreau. I do know I I do know that he was acting and like he was in um Swingers. And the one with uh, uh, 10 Things I Hate About You. Mm-hmm. He was in that. He was a goofy guy, kind of mm-hmm. super nerdy. Yeah. I do know that, which blew my mind, by the way, seeing the guy who directed Iron Man standing next to Joker. Uh, didn't blow my mind. It was just like a clash of worlds. Like, no. um, but yeah, no, I knew he uh, he was directing because I knew the whole story. Fun fact, if you didn't know this about Iron Man, which we've talked about several times, we had an episode mm-hmm. uh, about the writer's strike yep. with Andrew Guesting. Uh, with Iron Man, they had no script Robert Downey Jr. and uh, John Favreau were like, hey, we want to make a movie with Iron Man, but we're in the middle of a writer's strike and no writer wants to do anything. Let's just come up with some movie beats and get Jeff Bridges and Gwyneth Paltrow in here and we'll just improvise the whole thing. Almost the whole movie is like 75% of it is pure improvised lines. Something like that. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It's John Favreau as the director. uh,
1: Yeah, just creative people being creative.
0: Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, let's see. I there was something I think deep down in his filmography that really surprised me. Um Deep down in his photograph <laughs> photography? Yeah. Filmography. He was in Batman Forever. Really? He's credited as assistant. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I think I remember that. I think he's like he's one one scene and probably has one line in like the, the Wayne Tech Laboratory or something.
0: Batman Forever is
1: Jim Carrey, the crotch thrusting Riddler. Uh, no, Kilmer.
0: Kilmer. Right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I don't, I don't remember him in it, but
1: but, yeah. Jim Carrey's unsanctional buffoonery, unsanctionable buffoonery. Oh
0: yeah. And also really doing the Riddler dirty.
1: I think the Riddler's doing the entire world dirty with that, uh, crotch thrust. You've seen the famous, you've seen the movie.
0: Yes. Yeah. You're aware. Um, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Speaking of Clooney, George Clooney. Oh, George Clooney! Yeah! He did Midnight Sky, which was a recent one that was apparently ich. Yeah. My parents watched it and they said they didn't really particularly like it. And they're pretty casual moviegoers, so I yeah. figured that it's probably not that great.
1: We could tell from the trailer. We knew that
0: that was going to happen. I couldn't tell. I don't know. You're better at that
1: than I am. That's, that's kind of my random superpowers. I'm pretty good at predicting how good a movie going to be based on the trailer. Yeah. Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson melius gibson
0: we're not a huge fan of him
1: (laughs) he's kind of a bad person but he's pretty good director
0: yeah did he he didn't direct any of the mad Maxes, did he
1: no okay that was george miller
0: okay cuz i know i i i knew him primarily from mad max like yeah. did you ever watch the original mad maxes i have
1: never seen the original You've mad maxes you never seen the oh it's man it's on my cultural enrichment list yeah it that one
0: i those were one of those movies uh or a few of those movies that i just watched i was watching tv on the tiny ass tv mm-hmm. on the like on the counter in my parents kitchen my our kitchen when i was a kid mm-hmm. and i just like came across it and amc had like an obsession with playing it for all right. about a month, so I'd keep seeing it pop up, and I'd watch it. And it was a movie I've never seen all the way through, but I've seen the entire movie, but in pieces. <laughs> like That's so, an like, interesting I,
1: experience. I
0: kind of have the general It was Forever goes, and then I watched it. So mm-hmm. I had the kind of general idea of what the story is. Like, his uh, wife and kid were killed, and like he's getting revenge on people. It's this post-apocalyptic yeah. thing. And then Thunderdome has like the guy, like the tall guy. I don't remember his name, but he's played the aviator. He played uh the mouth of sauron and lord of the rings Mm -hmm. he's like this tall lanky guy that tends to play tall lanky characters Mm -hmm. uh but no that's a i knew mel gibson from that and now i know his face as being an anti-semite which is yeah but i do also know that he did passion of the christ Yep. huh (laughs) yeah (laughs) and i guess he really just likes killing jews is not my joke i'm sure that joke has been made before when yeah well there
1: was some there was some outright controversy because um some of the uh characterizations of the uh, like the temple officials in the passion of the christ Mm -hmm. movie were characterized as anti-semitic i think it's more historically accurate than or at least attempting to be historically accurate than it is outright anti-semitic but i mean
0: did they have like big hooked nose and they really like money no it was more just (laughs)
1: like they cast out jesus and left him to his fate and kind of stirred up people against him
0: okay real quick weird thing that i've learned recently all right about okay this is a very christian thing like this is surprisingly relevant we're
1: recording this on good friday we
0: are yes uh so the real quick real brief story is that jesus like on palm sunday jesus walked into jerusalem Jer- was it jerusalem yeah yeah walked into not what didn't walk and uh rode in on a donkey and uh that <laughs> <I> was <laughs> oh my god so i uh, rode in on a donkey and everyone was like yay Woo-woo! throwing like palms in front of him because they were like this, this, this yeah. thing um they were all really happy we- he was there and then those same people two days later two three some days later were mm-hmm. like hey let's kill this guy yep uh and it's I've learned that, the and I don't remember really ever hearing this in church, because Mm -hmm. the church wants everyone to, like, Jesus is everything. Uh, The Jews back then were super oppressed by the Romans. Oh, yeah. I.e., Herod, Pontius Pilate, the Roman oppressors. Mm -hmm. And they viewed Jesus as this knight on a horse coming in to stir the uprising to kill the oppressors.
1: Yeah. Literal King of the Jews. Right.
0: will take back the kingdom. And when he shows up and is like, yo, I'm giving myself up. Also, Peter, you for, for cutting that guy's ear off. Uh, let's not be violent. They're all like, die. Uh, so that's kind of the real quick, uh, historical story of that. So like the, um, yeah, no, it's just, I, I, I don't remember ever really learning that historical context, yeah. Uh, and yeah. Interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. Yeah. Historical context of religion is great. That's why I want to do one of those like fancy series that I want to do mm-hmm. is on religion and media.
1: Okay, yeah. Let's do uh, it.
0: We'll get some... That'll be a
1: very touchy topic, but That'll be, be fun.
0: very touchy, but it's, that's why we're going to have like... Uh, Cler- clergymen of yep. those religions on. <laughs> yeah, yes. Uh, anyway, Angelina Jolie. Angelina Jolie would not have expected that. Circa like
1: 2008.
0: Land of Blood and Honey was a movie that you watched and have feelings on. Go back to listen to the last episode about. Boy, hear those those feelings. <laughs> yeah, she's done several movies actually. She has done yes. That was
1: just her first one. It's probably the best movie I've ever seen that has an IMDb comfortably under 5.0. Wow. It's like 4.2 or something.
0: Hmm people don't like being uncomfortable
1: it's really unpleasant it's there are some weaknesses just as a movie oh, okay but um I'll, I'll talk about it there's some interesting stories gotcha. behind the scenes and stuff but we'll get into it yeah. yeah angelina jolie uh you know her and you love her from mr and mrs smith tomb raider a ton of stuff um, wanted she just, yeah she's just the beowulf the attractive movie star lead i hate that movie <laughs> i hate it
0: and it's not even her
1: yeah. It's her, but it's not her. Yeah. It's
0: it's just, how did they get away with that? Ugh. If you haven't seen Beowulf, I feel like it's one of those cultural enrichment things of, oh God, it's so bad. Like, it's like, pretty well done. It's just horrifying. It is. It's, it's... Uh, it's an animated like a cgi movie but everyone it's it's so uncanny valley mm-hmm. because it's just it's so close to looking realistic but it's not yeah and it's weird and yeah it's just god it's so weird
1: yeah my dad loved it it blew his mind because like you, this there's this character and he's played by john malkovich and you look at the animated guy and you can tell it's john malkovich yeah and i was like But John Malkovich is now haunting my nightmares. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I guess John Malkovich would normally be haunting my nightmares because it's John Malkovich. Isn't
0: there a movie called Being John Malkovich? Yeah, there is. I remember now. It's that one inside Lewin Davis. And there was the one of the chess thing. There's a chess player. And it's searching like, for
1: Bobby Fisher. Searching
0: for jo- Bobby Fisher. Those are the three that I always mix up. I'm like, inside John Malkovich, searching for and Davis. Like, I just, <laughs> those three movies I always mix up. Yeah. Completely different types of movies. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, So Angelina Jolie. She was a movie star and just like one of the, the highest profile, best paid, best loved actresses in the world. Uh, married to Brad Pitt for a little while. Had a mm-hmm. messy divorce. I've seen the tabloid headlines. Yeah. Um, and then decided she wanted to get into directing. Yeah, So, good for we'll her. We'll talk
0: about that a little bit.
1: Yep. Uh, ben Affleck.
0: Ben Affleck! Oh, man. Hated him until I watched a movie that he directed. And now I'm like, oh, I should watch more of his movies. Yeah, most of them are pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I knew I knew Argo was a thing. We talked about this before, back when um, BVS first, first came out. Uh, and you, I think you had the theory that um, Ben Affleck is one of those people that can really only be directed by himself. Yeah. Um, Greater minds than mine have
1: speculated that okay. before.
0: Uh, he tends to suffer as an actor with other directors, but like he directed himself in Argo, and apparently he's great in Argo. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I watched uh, Gone Baby Gone, mm-hmm. uh, but he's also in Goodwill Hunting, which yep. I've heard he's, okay, he's good in that one. He's a meaningless side character. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. There's, I know that movie's good, and I can't imagine there would be a bad character in it. This is probably a good time
1: for the interesting backstory anecdote. So he kind of came up through Hollywood because he was Matt Damon's friend, and he just yeah. latched onto the comet trail of Matt Damon. Right. So everyone's like, "Oh, he's in Goodwill Hunting because he's Matt Damon's friend," and he's fine. He's yeah. in it for three minutes of screen time. He doesn't do anything, um, and he was in a run of several really bad movies in the early aughts um he was in uh, jiggly um which is like single digits on metacritic oh <laughs> <laughs> um he was in daredevil which oh was yes pretty bad
0: that's not good
1: um yeah he had a he had a really rough run so
0: it gone girl gone Baby gone not
1: to be confused with gone girl
0: gone girl gone girl He's in that, isn't he? He is in that. Okay, and that's a really good one, isn't it?
1: Yes, that's quite a good movie. He plays he plays that one quite quite well. Um, did he
0: direct that one?
1: I don't remember. See, that's what confused me. When beginning. you sent me that list no. of
0: movies, it, I oh no, i because I did. I was like, did he direct? And then he did not. It was David, David Fincher. Fincher. Yes, nice. You I said it at the same time you did. Therefore, I under I knew it before you did. Before you said, not before you did, but before you said it, right? Um. No, I, I confused those two. I was like, ah, finally get to see Gone Girl. And then I like, Gone Baby Gone. It's like, ah, girl goes missing. I'm like, that's not Gone Girl. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, so I knew he was in that. And then now, yeah, no, I've seen one movie that he's in. I know that Argo's good. Mm-hmm. I'm interested in the, to se- the Town is really oh, good. Oh, the Town. Isn't that about nuns? Or like, it's like they have nun masks. They dress up as nuns at one point to rob a bank. Okay. It's great. Jeremy Renner's in it. Is it a horror movie? No. Good. Because I keep mixing it up with, like, la Euro, or whatever that, like, the one with the uh, nuns, yeah. they, they came out around the same time. They totally didn't. What? When did The Town come out? Like, 2009. When did whatever I'm thinking of come out? Like, past three years. Okay, well, I... I
1: mean, there's always horror movies with nuns. Yeah.
0: It's a thing. I don't know, but I, I, I saw The Town, I'm like, that's gotta be scary, and I'm like, no, nah, I don't want to watch that. No, nah, it's, it's pretty similar in vibe to Gone Baby Gone. Okay. Um Kind
1: of a different direction, but it's sort of the same gritty street-level crime, gotcha, broken-down communities kind of thing. Um, i'm gonna
0: check some of this i mean i got a long list of movies to watch yeah he he
1: doesn't have a super long filmography you can yeah. get through it pretty quick if you want uh, Greta- i mean all it
0: takes is i need to get a second monitor or something with me at work because mm-hmm. i work from home now so i only have one monitor but mm-hmm. what i used to do is have three monitors and yeah. i would have netflix on playing a movie that's how i binge through every movie adam driver's in in <laughs> like one week
1: <laughs> speaking of movies adam driver's in credit gerwig
0: yeah don't tell me hang on a second sort of patterson
1: no no, no. that's uh jim Jarmusch. I want to say
0: yeah uh what, what what what's your what's the one you're going for
1: well i was kind of thinking she has uh writing cred on a lot of bambach movies or is occasionally in Baumbach marriage movies. story yeah yeah um so I don't think he's actually been in anything she directed. Oh, but okay. There's kind of there's that connection there. Yeah. Half a degree of separation. Yeah. So the, <laughs> um yeah. So Greta Gerwig was kind of an indie actor, actress, and um, did some writing and then uh directed Ladybird. Yes. Um, she actually had directed a movie before that called Nights and Weekends and mm-hmm. it looks pretty good, kinda of nice little indie thing, but no one's ever heard of it. So yeah. who cares? Doesn't count. Lady Bird was her first directorial debut.
0: Lady Bird was very fun. It wasn't like fantastic, but it like
1: i really liked it i liked I really, it i really really liked it huh i really really liked it oh
0: okay i i liked it i didn't have any like problems with it it just wasn't like a, oh my god that was great okay yeah
1: you know it's like a 94 on metacritic right
0: yeah well sometimes i don't agree with metacritic well okay
1: <laughs> you know that's that's entirely fair and then she directed uh, little women uh just yes. a couple years ago which I is supposed to, to be really good i kept meaning to get around to it and then never did and i kind of feel bad about it yeah
0: ben stiller Stiller Tropic Thunder Tropic
1: Thunder Zoolander Zoolander 2 Secret I knew Life the Zoolander
0: and what was the last one Secret Life of Walter Mitty yes I knew that one I knew that was that's one of, that movie weirdly was the first movie that I ever saw a trailer for and I it, it was the first non like action movie right. that I ever saw a trailer for I was like I want to watch that movie mm-hmm. it was so weird it was a movie theater and when did that come out Uh, two thousand. Mm-hmm. 15? 9 or so. Nine? It wasn't that long ago. It's gotta be. Uh, I should look. Maybe twenty twelve. Let me look. It up. I was in Oklahoma when the trailers happened. Okay. I think I was watching Les Mis, mm. and I was so on my be, first date with my with my girlfriend at that time. That'd be about twenty thirteen. or Twenty thirteen. Twenty thirteen. Yep. Yep. So I was I was I was on a date. My first date with my girlfriend that, that she became my girlfriend. Uh-huh. Um, I was watching. We were there for Les Mis, and I watched them. It, it was like. That seems like a really, f- really interesting and little hit- pull me on the heartstrings movie. Yeah, I uh, never got around to watching it. It's pretty good, isn't it? So he's just like an odd guy who just like kind of ex- escapes into his imagination, right? Yeah, but then also into real life. Yeah, that might. Uh, I think that seriously. might have just appealed to my ADHD brain. Could be. I was like, I I do that. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's a lot of fun. I did not realize it until this week that Ben Stiller directed it. <laughs> Yeah, but
0: he's a uh, he. He's in all of he's his main character in all the movies he directs. Yeah, uh,
1: Robert Redford.
0: Robert Redford, uh, the uh the president of the United States in the Watchmen show. Yeah, but also uh the 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 bad guy, the bad senator, in um
1: Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier. Yep. yep. Uh, what has he directed? <laughs> uh river runs through it is the one that i've seen um he did quiz show which was pretty well received uh he did the horse whisperer which i watched about 15 minutes of when i was eight and i was like this movie's about girls and horses it's stupid i'm gonna (laughs) go play baseball (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna go play baseball i think that's pretty literally how that happened (laughs) um yeah no he's he's done about a half dozen movies uh i think good night and good luck was one that he directed um which was uh, kind of a journalistic thriller, I guess, Mm -hmm. which makes a lot of sense now that I realize it, because one of his early prominent roles was All the President's Men about the Watergate investigation, Yeah, Woodward and Bernstein. Um, hmm, Never made that connection until right now. Nice. Jordan Peele
0: jordan peele oh comedy uh good old. we talked about him a little bit we've talked about him um yeah no he did all of his acting on comedy central and like kind of through that yeah a lot of
1: just sketch comedy comedy central occasionally he would pop up a little bit in like a movie or something yeah Um, but then
0: just decided to do get out and the world was never the same the world was never the same (laughs) uh boy what a guy yeah i just realized you're missing a person John Krasinski. John Krasinski. You Quiet s- Place. Yeah. he used to, You sent me a, to explain to the audience why I said you're missing a person, he sent me a list of all these, like a spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. Which
1: I only did ones that have directed more than one movie. I see. Okay. There are there are a That's lot fair. of you can't,
0: you can't make any assumptions on someone's trends with ones with a sample size of one. Yeah, there are a lot. We can of... barely do anything with Jordan Peele.
1: There, are, yeah, there are a lot of one offs. Um, I didn't really want to talk about Taylor Sheridan, although I love his work because the only movies really. The only prominent movie he's really directed is Wind River. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really want to talk about Bradley Cooper. Um, maybe a little bit. He's got some interesting story for Behind His Star Is Born adaptation. Yeah. Um, John Krasinski, Quiet Place. There's some interesting nuances we can get in there, but mm-hmm. we can't draw any big picture trends. Yep. Um, Regina King just came out with One Night in Miami, which is Oscar nominated. Mm-hmm. Um, and really cool. So yeah. looking forward to seeing if she does anything else Yeah. that. Um, yeah. So that's a that's a long list of actors who've done some directing. But let's not make this a list episode. Right. <laughs> this is just kind of some background information. Yep. These are some of the guys and gals we're going to be pulling from when we're talking right. about this. So, Preston. Uh huh. I want you to imagine I'm for a second. I'm you Andrew. I mean, so Andrew, that's the highest compliment anyone's <laughs> ever given me. Imagine you're an actor for a second. Okay. You're you've got Hollywood at your feet. You're a famous movie star. You're Angelina Jolie. Hell yes. All right. You're making millions of dollars. Everyone knows your face. Everyone loves your work, and you love your work. Mm-hmm. Why would you turn to directing?
0: This is a I, lot of names. I think so. I, I've I haven't done research on this, but okay. I, I was mulling it over because I knew this episode was coming. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's an element of taking control of the content that you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean. George Clooney, like a lot of these tend to star in their own movies. Mm-hmm. um I think I, I'm not going to make sweeping statements, but I would feel like all of these actors are like control freaks. And they're like, I have an idea. I mean, you, a lot of these mm-hmm. actors have been actors in a variety of genres. Like, George Clooney has been in every kind of genre yeah um and so he like takes little bits from all these and kind of starts to craft his own ideas of what stories to tell mm-hmm. and then he like writes it and then he's like the only person that i can uh that the only person that i can trust to play this story is myself mm-hmm. um not always i don't think that angelina Jolie's in any of her movies nope but they've also now learned the other side. They know the other side of acting directing. So they mm-hmm. kind of maybe have some, some skill on what effectively works with an actor or maybe, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe they choose actors that they know well from on set or acting with mm-hmm. them that they, John
1: Favreau with chef,
0: right? Like, and so he knows what to do to make an effective movie. And I think that's kind of what it is, is that, um, actors if you had to look at a percentage of the movie production that any given role plays a director is 100 percent of the movie they mm-hmm. see it through from the beginning to the end most of the time right i think
1: sometimes the the editing gets outsourced to the trailer company cough cough or suicide squad 2016 yeah. We're going to have to start designating those with year now. It's no, it's
0: suicide be... squad and it's the suicide squad and suicide squad. It's going to be confusing. We're... Let's just never talk about the other one ever again. It doesn't exist. What well, doesn't exist? Release the air cut. Yes. So, uh what was I saying? Uh so they've What was I saying? Oh no. Oh yeah, so these actors they've only experienced let's say 50% of the production of the movie. I mm-hmm. dig in. We're unqualified. I don't know what, what right. you'd actually do, but that gives them twice as many movies to be involved in, which means twice as many stories to be involved in mm-hmm. than directors. Mm-hmm. So they get a lot more experience through all of these movies and yes. can pick up a lot more tidbits from all these movies. Yes. And I'm sure that if you did full data analysis on this, all the movies that they've directed slash written, and all the movies they've been in, you can find those little tie-in points where, mm-hmm. oh, Argo draws from Goodwill Hunting in some way. I don't. Daredevil know. from Daredevil. Like you, you have these. <laughs> maybe there's draw uh, points of Gone Baby Gone from uh, Daredevil because some be maybe kind of in some sense mystery-ish. I don't know. I haven't seen the Daredevil movie. Yeah, I don't want to. Um, but maybe like, that's kind of what I'm thinking of is that they've experienced these and kind of start to craft their own ideas. And Mm -hmm. they're also big enough that they can make that jump and get backing. Mm -hmm. You can't get some one movie shithead who then wants to be a director and so easily go into directing. Yeah. Um, and I think people like Angelina Jolie, George Clooney, Brad Pitt, people who've been in the industry so long they have all these connections Mm -hmm. they can write a movie start directing and then they can talk to their friends who are directors and ask them for help on being directing which is why a lot of these directing movies these directorial debuts none of them are really huge flops they're either good or uh, all right there probably are a few in there that are terrible i don't yeah but for the most part, they're pretty decent. They probably have a higher rate of being decent mm-hmm. than the general movie, like people being a director for the first time.
1: Yeah. No, I, I agree. Absolutely. I think actors are pr- a smart, uh, attentive actor who takes their job as an actor seriously. Right. Is in a really good position to move into directing. They have a sense of what it's like to be actually doing the acting out beyond on screen they know what motivates them what brings out a good performance from them they understand a lot of, of nuances about how to actually produce a movie what goes into it what goes into the creative process a lot of uh again a lot of involved actors clint eastwood was really kind of notorious for this early on honestly will push back on elements of the script and they'll try to discuss and figure out what the the character what's actually going on with the right. character and improve the the story of the movie as it right. goes along
0: you you get another element you get the you, you get the personal connection with the characters that directors mm-hmm. might not get as much right just by being a director so you can it it adds a depth to their ability to direct where they kind of yeah. understand how characters can and also i don't know any back the back behind the scenes stories um, but I'm wondering how much of the, them being a director give a little more control to their actors because they probably choose actors that they trust. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess they don't choose, I guess, tech casting technically. Uh, yeah. They have, they, a have say. they have say, um, and they can but,
1: call people and they can be like, Hey, Robert Downey Jr. My friend who I directed in the Iron Man movies, do yeah. you want to come be in chef?
0: Yeah. Uh, you, you, you can trust the actors a little bit more because you understand that side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, And you have more experience in it. I'm not saying... uh, There's also directors who I'm sure are good at that just as directors because they understand things.
1: The thing about being a good director is you're good at directing. Right, yeah. Um, If they're going to win this game, they're going to have to score more points than the other guys. That was a a truism like that right there. Um, Yeah, no. uh, Yeah, actors understand acting. Actors are able to communicate with other actors. They're able to get good performances out of them. They're able to uh, see things from their perspective and they're able to generally run a ship that is comfortable for actors or that actors at least feel on board with. Right. Um, there's a fun story out of the, I don't know how fun it was for the people involved, but a f- interesting story out of the production of unforgiven um, where they're shooting uh, on location out in the middle of nowhere. And they kind of have a set built up for this um, old West town Um, And there's a pretty important scene that they need to film at a distance from the town. uh, And they need to film a few scenes in the town. um, And they need to do all these while there's no snow on the ground. There's snow forecast for like three days out. So they film for like three days straight through the night, through the rain. God. Just pushing them like crazy just to get this done. Mm -hmm. and. The studio would have hated that because it breaks all these union rules, Mm. but the crew was on board because Clint Eastwood runs a tight ship, and people respect him, people like it, like the way he does things. Also because Clint Eastwood is notorious for, like, he's going to do it in up to three takes, no more. Mm. He's quick and efficient. Quick on the draw, you might say. Ah! Ah! Which... There are some interesting connections between people who play kind of stereotyped versions of characters and then the types of movies they direct. There's some interesting connections and then some interesting contradictions. Okay. Clint Eastwood really likes lean, efficient filmmaking. Few words, quick shots.
0: Hmm. All right.
1: Angelina Jolie likes brutal, drawn-out horrors of humankind kind of <laughs> movies.
0: Ah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> good.
1: Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I kind of sidetracked your point because you had to get up to go get the computer right. and I was just vamping for a little bit there, but.
0: Yep. No, but Did you ever I... you
1: building something? Huh? Were you building to something?
0: Not particularly. That was just my observation. I was wondering how much you would have agreed and taken that and yeah. you yeah. had already thought about that kind of stuff. I,
1: yeah, I agree. And I think you're saying a lot of good things about why actors can be good directors, but you said one little thing about how, actors they like power and they crave power and that's why they might become directors control freaks control freaks and i don't think that's going to be universally true i want to get back into what would actually motivate an actor to go into directing like these guys already have success not all of them are going to get into it just because they feel the need to be in control do actors what else make
0: less than directors generally them? no actors make a lot more Oh, I meant, sorry, flip that. That, Okay, yes, Yes. my point, (laughs) but I messed up. So actors make more than directors, so they choose a less... At least prominent actors do. Right. Uh, And these are all prominent prominent actors. Yep. Um, They choose a less fruitful, or less, I guess, paying job. Yeah. um, And a less famous job. Yeah. um, Unless part of the marketing is... The fact that it's directed by so-and-so or if they get to put themselves in the
1: starring role right yeah which some of these people very much do not but yeah
0: um but no I I think that's a that's an interesting observation that they I think it might just be more of that they want to tell good stories and Mm -hmm. that's just I mean it's it's like me I don't care about the fame or anything I any story that I write that Eventually, when I have the time and resources to do so, I don't want to do it to get famous at all. I just want to do it because I've got. I think I've got interesting stories to tell, and I think mm-hmm. that might be something that a lot of them do. That they just have interesting stories they want to pursue. Angelina Jolie probably just trying to bring attention to a gratuitous thing that happened.
1: Yeah, she's a she's a really interesting case actually, because um, she. Got into dir- a lot of these people talk about getting into directing um, because they they like that creative freedom they like being in charge they like trying to tell the stories they want to tell and Angelina Jolie takes much more of like a almost an activist model mm. of directing movies um, she's got a, a relatively short filmography at this point um, but she's working on stuff so at this point uh, she has four. Actual, full-length, non-direct, uh, non-documentary direct non movies. Um, in the Land of Blood and Honey, which I talked about last week. Brutal investigation of the Bosnian War in the early 90s. Um, Unbroken, which is based on a true story about a guy who was like an Olympic-caliber athlete and then and he was in two World War And it's two prequels,
0: unbowed and unbent.
1: That was a weird, deep-cut joke. Not that deep, but... Unbroken, It's uh, it's about uh, a... <laughs> A guy who was an Olympian and then he was in world war two and then his plane crashed and he survived on a raft for a while. And then he was interned in a Japanese prisoner of war camp, busy
0: life. Don't know how they crammed it into a two hour movie. <laughs> Didn't really want to watch it. It was a montage for the first five minutes of look, he was an Olympian. Look, he's an airplane. Oh no, war camp. <laughs> and then yeah. it was two hours
1: of that by the sea, uh, was Angelina's next Jolie. Um, couple tries to repair their marriage while staying at a hotel in france starring brad pitt and angelina jolie this feels maybe therapeutic in some sense or maybe very personal um but then she also made uh most recently first they killed my father uh, about the khmer rouge in cambodia which again horrifying humanitarian crisis just trying to bring attention Mm. to it um i watched the first half of that one i didn't have time to finish it first half's really good it uh it makes up for a lot of the flaws of in the land of blood and honey. Um, She does a good job of restraining the horrors and kind of like you get a little, a little bit, a little piece. Like you see some people and they're kind of herded up and then off screen you hear the shot or there's a really cool overhead shot where there's like a caravan of people that are just, they're having to migrate now. And then, So you see the caravan moving and then off to the side, you see, um, the, the monks with like the orange robes being like pushed off to the side. Mm. Implication is there, but they never really show it. And I imagine they're building up to some more horrifying stuff, but I haven't finished the movie yet. I'd like to, (laughs) I'd like to, it's uh, it's good so far. Um, but yeah, she talks about getting into directing in the first place because, um, she grew up and heard about this conflict when she was a teenager in the early 90s Mm -hmm and was horrified and so she she spent a lot of her efforts as stardom doing some activism and some writing and stuff like that and eventually just got so involved in this particular story this particular event that she just kind of ended up making a movie about it yeah um and there's and some... so it's
0: kind of using her her resources as an actor and in connections into the movie industry to do more <laughs> activism yeah it's more altruistic than uh stardom or just creativity it's right and she, she does not, for the most part,
1: make mainstream movies. Mm-hmm. I, Unbroken is definitely kind of an Oscar-baity sort of, let's just tell a nice dramatic story yeah, kind of thing. But these other ones are are much more either personal or let's raise attention about some issue. It is filmmaking as activism in mm-hmm. some sense, um, which differentiates her from pretty much all the other directors on this list. Right. She didn't set out with a creative mission as much as... a altruistic mission yeah um and she she makes that very clear
0: yeah
1: uh yeah so she's kind of she's kind of an outlier here um a lot of these people i think clint eastwood is probably the the best example of he's just a creative guy he's always thinking about these things and thinking about what things mean Um, There's a really fascinating article that I'll have to see if I still have the link to that I read in preparation for this that just talks about um, some of his work with Sergio Leone on these uh, spaghetti westerns. Yeah, he went over. I think they were filming some of them in Spain and he meets uh, Leone and he speaks like two words of Italian and Leone speaks like two words of English. And they do this whole movie just basically in pantomime with each other. (laughs) (laughs) can't can't communicate but they're like they put it together and they're they're able to to communicate their ideas across but clint Mm -hmm. eastwood defined a lot of how that character worked um just by the thinking about how this guy would operate and he thinks about how to strip down the dialogue and communicate more with less Mm -hmm. um i caught like half an hour of the movie on tv the other Mm -hmm. night so good
0: i i watched uh i think i'd watched The first two, I think I'd watched uh, Good, Bad, and the Ugly, and then a no, fistful of
1: dollars, fistful of dollars, and a few dollars more. Good, the bad, the ugly
0: is the best. Okay, is that the that's the third one, right? Yeah, and I gotta watch that one. Nuts. Yeah, I gotta go back and watch them in general.
1: Yeah, um, so he's just he's just a creative dude. He likes telling stories. He likes thinking about how creativity happens, which. totally doesn't jive with everyone's vision of Clint Eastwood as like the the gruff stoic gruff old guy. That's just going to murder everyone in the room, (laughs) but no, the dude is, he was a successful like box office draw as a cowboy actor in Mm -hmm. the the 60s and 70s. And then dirty Harry, Um, again, kind of just playing the the cowboy stereotype of just the the loner guy. That's going to shoot you, but he got five best picture nominations as a director. Four of them were included Best Director nominations. Two wins for yeah. Best Picture. And his only Best Actor nomination was for Unforgiven, a movie which he directed <laughs> and which he very much picked out and was like, I want to do this movie and I need to be the star in this movie because yeah. this movie is going to be about me and about Westerns mm-hmm. in general. um, Just about like the sort of demythologizing the Western. And so yeah. he was he was in the perfect place to tell that story. So what you have there is you have a creative guy who has the exact right perspective to tell sort of a meta story right. about a genre that he's been part of. Mm-hmm. He's, no one else could have made that movie. Yeah. Although Francis Ford Coppola almost did with John Malkovich in the lead, as it turns out. Oh. Speaking of him.
0: Yeah. A little callback to earlier. Yeah. How about that? Anyway, <laughs> anyway, didn't
1: end up happening. Uh, yeah,
0: no that that uh, are there any other actors that are kind of that way? or because I feel like Ben Stiller might kind of jive with that same way where he just wants to be creative with things. Because mm-hmm. Secret Life of Walter Mitty and Tropic Thunder are incredibly different movies. Yeah, and he's written he wrote both of them, right? I don't. He might have writing
1: credits on both of them, but I don't think he's uh, like the actual the writer on them. Okay. Um, I'm gonna double check that. Real but still,
0: quick. It, it, either but, way, like it's just those. And what was another? Okay, did Zoolanders. Zoolander. Zoolander. Yeah. Uh, what were the any other ones?
1: Uh, those are the big ones. Okay. Um,
0: but still, that's such an interesting di- divergence. Mm-hmm. Uh, ben Affleck seems to kind of dance around a similar tone, so he's not really vi- uh, varietous. Uh, George Clooney.
1: He's all over the map.
0: He's all over the map.
1: Yeah. Uh, here, here are a few of George Clooney's movies. Good Night and Good Luck, um, journalistic drama. Uh, Leatherheads. Which is a, a football, comedy. Football comedy. comedy. Uh, the Ides of March, political drama. Yeah. Uh, the Midnight Sky, terrible Netflix original sci-fi. Yeah. I love that Netflix original has kind of become a genre unto
0: itself. Yeah. Who else was there? Uh, I mean, Jordan Peele has his genre that he really likes. Like the yeah. spooky existential twist on mm-hmm. weird things happening. Yeah.
1: So to go back to Ben Stiller for a second, he's very much talked about. He just likes being behind the camera. It's easier. Yeah, you're you're kind of in charge. You're the one making decisions. You're not the one with the the pressure necessarily because you're not on screen have to do the scene just right. But you
0: can still kind of like watch the vision happen. Yeah, like you, you've got it in your brain. You can watch the actors. You've got the screen. You can like make decisions. It's it's like I, I can totally see how that's a thing. Mm-hmm. It's why I don't really want to go into acting one because I'm a terrible actor, but two mm-hmm. is like I I want to make the thing from the birds eye view. Right. And and I can totally see how he feels that way that it's just it's it's less I pre- I can see how it's less pressure, but I can also see it's a, it's a different kind of pressure yeah. that just might come more naturally to him personally.
1: Yeah. He, yeah. He he makes it clear that he feels he just he feels more comfortable behind the camera. Yeah. Um and that's yeah, I think that's a reasonable
0: stars in all of them. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Which think about think about some of those scenes in a uh, Tropic Thunder for a second here where Ben Stiller, who's the director of the movie, is playing an actor in a movie that's being directed by another guy, but Ben Stiller, the actor in the fake movie that's being directed by the real Ben Stiller is on screen yelling cut. And no one knows if it's actor Ben Stiller (laughs) yelling cut in the scene or director Ben Stiller yelling. There's some, there, there was some legitimate confusion behind the scenes. That's amazing. What was happening at any given time.
0: That is amazing. Yeah.
1: So that's kind of just a fun little, little fun little anecdote research there. Yeah. I thought you might appreciate
0: that. Yeah. That's funny.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah, let's talk about Jordan Peele for a second. You were starting to go into him.
0: Yeah, uh, we've done a couple little discussions about comedy actors going into horror. Mm -hmm. Um, Jordan Peele and John Krasinski are the two big big players in that. And John
1: Krasinski, there's actually a different impetus. I want to get into his story in a
0: little bit here. Okay. Um, But I think... I don't want to... Draw conclusions on Jordan Peele just yet because both of his characters star African American characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but that probably doesn't have anything to do with it. Uh, given that us, the race is kind of in, inconsequential to the story, more so. Um, get out, it certainly is. What? Uh, I missed that. He definitely had a, had a, uh, um i I mean i you can i i've talked about this before you haven't watched a whole lot of key and peel sketches have you i've watched a few watched a few uh i did
1: some research i think we did an episode on him a while ago
0: yeah yeah i think we did yeah he's got a um he's always had a mind for suspense and Mm kind of twisting reality yep uh he's got a few sketches in in key and peel that are Oh my God, I'm actually a little scared right now. It's a joke, but it's mm-hmm. weirdly scary. I'm nervous, yeah. Um, And I think he just has a mind for tension mm-hmm. um, Yeah. and suspense. And he kind of feels
1: like one that was... It, it's much more natural that he was going to become a director than some of these others. Like George Clooney, he's a big movie star. He's been a big movie star for his entire life. He's still a big movie star. Yeah. What's this dude doing directing movies? But Jordan Peele, like with the the key and peel sketch stuff like that he's he's got more creative control
0: right he's yeah. kind of
1: he's already behind the scenes it's just natural that he's going to extend that into a full length feature project right at he's some got
0: point. he's got ideas and i mean that that's something that comes with uh, sketch humor a lot mm-hmm. uh, is that it it strengthens your brain in coming up with ideas really quickly and fleshing them out yeah um and so naturally he can literally the way i picture it is he comes with an idea he fleshes it out sketch Mm -hmm. comes with an idea fleshes it out sketch comes with an idea fleshes it out comes up with another idea fleshes it out they kind of butt or they kind of touch and he goes oh another idea fleshes it out it touches the other ones movie
1: and they start yeah they start Uh, metastasizing
0: yeah and and suddenly he's got a movie and it's uh you could take i mean i kind of do the same thing i just i have little tidbits of ideas and then i kind of go oh that really fits in with what i call my future universe which i've told you so much about yep it's this idea of so many different uh, concepts for f- movies and books and stuff that's all set in a future that I've created mm-hmm. uh, and I can kind of see how his sketch mind he's probably got ADHD let's be honest mm-hmm. uh, that's what gives me creative juices is that my yeah. brain just kind of watch, I watch a movie about the theory of synchronization in physics and suddenly mm-hmm. I've got an idea for a comic book like yeah. <laughs> it's uh would i I, he yeah you're right he he does the the sketch naturally i'm wondering what uh dave Chappelle. i don't know a whole lot about dave Chappelle, but he Mm -hmm. has a lot of i mean his stand-up and his sketch show was fantastic yeah if he's directed anything i don't know if he's if he has
1: guess who has imdb open and can check
0: uh probably you if i had to take a if i had to hazard a guess uh wrong it's uh it's actually angelina jolie oh
1: should have said john malkovich that would have been the the proper way to use that callback
0: <laughs> joke <laughs> uh so has Dave Chappelle directed anything or done anything beyond no he
1: has some some writing credits on uh i guess all of his own stuff
0: oh, okay no. all right well anyway so that's jordan peele now i can't don't have a whole lot to to draw on he, he like
1: angelina jolie kind of comes from a different direction to, right with the sketch comedy he's a little more of an outlier um i think a lot of these the huh. fall into the
0: interesting the, the two people that don't fit into kind of that thing are people that aren't white males
1: yep <laughs> or greta gerwig
0: <laughs> oh oh greta well no because hers have been all about women yeah yeah so it's definitely people coming from right. places but of other... Well, I guess I Angelina would, Jolie's are not really about yeah, women.
1: No. I, I mean, In the Land of Blood and Honey is, in a way. It's I mean, it's from a woman's perspective. Yeah. And, and, yeah. Um, but no, I'd, I'd categorize Greta Gerwig more in the Clint Eastwood model of it's just a creative person that wants to create. Oh, yeah. She I, was already into acting and writing. It's just a natural next step for her to start directing. I
0: watched... Uh, It was the roundtable thing with directors, and mm-hmm. it had her and... Uh, Baumbach and Marty and a few other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Shia LaBeouf. Uh, and right. Was that the same one? No, never mind. So Shia LaBeouf was on the actors one. Anyway, a whole bunch of big act- big directors and it was really interesting to hear her perspective. I don't remember a whole lot about it, um, but I remember that it was <laughs> there was a funny moment um, when the guy who runs those it's the Hollywood Reporter mm-hmm. roundtable thing, and he asked a question uh, that was directed towards. He, he didn't. I don't I remember if, if he directed the question towards them, but it was her, and uh, I can't remember her name. She's an Asian uh, Asian female director. Chloe Zhao? maybe. Uh, did the writer and
1: Nomad Land, and will be doing probably.
0: Internals? Uh, but he, it was kind of a question dr- about females, mm-hmm. and I think I recall one of the male directors speaking up, and Greta Gerwig just like shut it down, <laughs> <laughs> like just spoke like a Greta over Greta him. Thing to do, <laughs> and I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, not I mean, I haven't I've seen uh, Lady Bird, and I mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, she has a unorthodox storytelling um yeah it doesn't follow like the hero's journey or like the normal kind of three because uh a...
1: categorized as an indie director yeah uh
0: Ladybird's a uh coming of age story yeah. and those tend to not maybe again we're unqualified uh maybe not follow the same beats as a story of a, of a marvel no.
1: movie and even within the sort of the coming of age formula it doesn't necessarily follow the classic one um Lady Bird is one that I've described as sort of in between a coming of age and um, I call them slice of life mm. movies. I don't know if that's entirely an accurate characterization, but the sort of the kind of movie where you just. You I love take, that
0: description. Yeah. You just you Have take it Patterson yet. I really need to. That is a slice of life. That I is... know.
1: I know Hannah would also want to watch it. And it's two weeks to April 15th.
0: Oh, yeah. So she, uh, she was at work till
1: 11 p.m. last night. But then she's done. But then she's done and she gets the summer to
0: plan, plan a, a wedding. wedding. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, no, The Slice of Life. I love that. I, I don't yeah. know if that is also a real thing, but I think it should be. Yeah, movies like uh, Patterson, Manchester
1: by the Sea, where it's it's not beginning, middle, end story. It's characters. Let's just grab a random chunk from their life and kind of see what happens. Yeah. Um, it's a it's an interesting approach, and I always like those movies mm. disproportionately.
0: And yeah, no, you're you're definitely right. I, I think Lady Bird follows a really good combination of the two.
1: Yeah, very effective. Yep. Um. Yeah. So I think I think there's definitely one model of director here where it's creative person likes creating, wants to get behind the camera to have a little more creative freedom.
0: I think I mean it's it's one of those things that there's an exception to every rule, but I think it is mm-hmm. a generally fair assumption to say it's a director that just wants to tell creative stories because mm-hmm. um, i mean you have again you always have your exceptions that's what we call in the uh data analytics world uh outliers <laughs>
1: i've never heard that before
0: <laughs> all right uh, so
1: that explains a few of the people that we've been discussing but what about like uh kenneth branagh ron howard John Favreau, even, up to a point. I,
0: I don't think that they really vary from that a whole lot. Like, John Favreau had pretty... Like, Chef is an interesting story. Iron Man just just, just do a movie that mm-hmm. seems fun. It's using a superhero that no one gives a shit about. Yeah. And let's just tell an interesting story with it. It right. did a great job. What about Elf? Oh, it's a interesting. Like, he's like, oh, what would happen? <laughs> like, I feel like it's... A person who has a good creative mind is a person that can spin an entire story, a really popular story. I don't personally like Elf. I'm not a huge fan of Will Ferrell as a comedic uh, actor. That's
1: fair. Um, I really liked it when he played baseball, played nine positions for nine teams in one day in spring training. Oh. <laughs> it was super fun. He fouled off a pitch from a Major League Pitcher.
0: Oh. It was cool. Oh. Like in real life he did that? Yeah. Oh, nice!
1: It was like a it was a charity thing. So yeah. he got up and like the team would trade him between innings, and he'd just go over to the next. Because like spring training, they all play in the same general. I thought area. you were
0: saying there was a movie called Spring Training. No, oh, yeah. okay.
1: Like he actually did it. It was a really fun thing. Anyway, Watch the video. Um, anyway,
0: creative director can just take a what if thing. Mm-hmm. What if there was an elf that wasn't actually an elf, was actually a human? Okay. And then spawn a popular movie from it. I don't. I don't think that uh, John Favreau really deviates from that it's just a, it's a person who grew up acting and kind of has interesting ideas and then takes advantage of his resources okay. to create a good idea i was uh, gonna
1: i was gonna categorize him in a completely different category okay i think that him along with uh, ron howard and kenneth Branagh, to an extent fall more into the category of actors who probably couldn't sustain success long term as an actor so they turn to directing for stability
0: i don't think that those are necessarily mutually exclusive no
1: yeah um I mean, I mean you have to you have to be successful creative thinker just to become right. a director in the first
0: place um but i think i don't uh so you just take kenneth Branagh for 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 example kenneth Branagh. uh maybe he didn't think that he wasn't going to be successful he just wanted to be a director but now he mm-hmm. can retroactively say Ah. Been that successful as an actor, it's good he went to be a director, right? But at the time, he was like, I just want to be a director. Mm-hmm. And I think your question, kind of from the beginning, was, Why did they become directors? And I right. think I don't, I mean, we don't have, I mean, we probably have interviews where people ask them why they became directors, right. um, but I don't think that it's necessarily like the, the driving force was just wanting to create to mm-hmm. be creative because, yep. um, was that Kenneth Branagh? Uh, John Favreau and who else? Uh, Ron Howard was the
1: other one. Ron Howard.
0: Uh, what else has Ron Howard done?
1: Uh, Apollo 13, Beautiful Mind, but also The Da Vinci Code. Um, yeah, he's he's directed like 20 or 30 movies.
0: Yeah, but he's done very variety movies. Yeah, because he... Solo is incredibly different from Beautiful Mind.
1: Yeah. So I have a I have a theory about that. Um, these guys kind of just become directors over time. They become better known as directors. Kenneth Branagh, to a lesser extent, he still he was in yeah. tenet he was in um what was it jack ryan shadow recruit also was a bad guy with a russian accent back oh. in like 2014 <laughs> um not a great movie from all accounts uh, but no i think i think these guys just they naturally realized because these were these guys were never the biggest names in acting they find when they bigger were success
0: in directing than they do as actors yeah they didn't think, come as big okay i i see what you're saying how you're mm-hmm. kind of distinguishing that uh george clooney and Angelina Jolie were giant actors that started directing and can now be equally defined as both mm-hmm. while John Favreau and Kenneth Branagh and Ron Howard mm-hmm. were kind of actors, became directors, found bigger success in directing than they did as actors. Mm-hmm. I see how you're distinguishing that now.
1: Yeah. Um, and so then they kind of end up as magnets for studio-style movies like Solo or Iron Man 2. Or Thor. Or
0: Thor. Yeah. Did um, Kenneth Branagh do Thor 2? No. Oh, who did Thor 2? That's a great question.
1: <laughs> I'm glad you asked that question. You know who has IMDb open and can look up the answer to that very question at this precise moment in time? John Malkovich. John Malkovich.
0: <laughs> I <laughs> there hate <we> us. Go. <laughs> I hate us so much. <laughs> Got that joke
1: out. Uh, some fellow named Alan Taylor directed Thor of the Dark World. I don't know who Alan Taylor is.
0: All right. I'm curious. Let's find out. Moving on. I don't think it matters. <laughs> That's not what we're talking about. <laughs> he directed... Oh, he directed Terminator Genisys. Genisys.
1: Genisys. Genesis Genis- Genisweiss? The wise the last vowel.
0: Oh, yeah, you're right, you're right, you yeah, right, you're right. You're right, you're right. Yep. Uh, anyway, so, anyway. yeah, no, I, I see your distinction, Distinguishment between those. Mm-hmm um they sought
1: directing potentially for just following the incentives if they need a career lifeline
0: but i don't think that i think you're uh you're making that categorization based on a different criteria than we started on we started on Mm -hmm. why did they become directors not what was the result of them becoming directors right
1: so i i think that these guys probably got into directing as a portfolio diversification Mm. i and I'm sure that part of it is just, Hey, I can be creative and I can be a storyteller too. But you look at these guys, filmographies next to guys like Clint Eastwood or Angelina Jolie, these guys are making, in general, more movies that the studio wants them to make yeah, than that's movies true. That they want to make. Yeah. Kenneth Branagh had a lot of success They're doing... assigned
0: to being, to being directors mm-hmm. rather than choosing to direct movies they want to direct. Yeah. Kenneth
1: Branagh had a good run doing some Shakespeare adaptations in his youth, that are some of which are really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ron Howard has done a whole bunch of interesting movies, but they tend to be really mainstream stuff right? for the most part. Um, just mainstream studio wants to do a movie about Apollo 13. Who's a nice, safe choice to direct. Ron Howard's a nice, safe choice to direct.
0: And he's a totally competent director. He has a master class. You don't get a master class for just being eh.
1: Yeah, you know (laughs) who teaches the master class on chess? Gary Kasparov.
0: Not uh, whatever that other annoying guy that's super cocky? I don't know who that is. Magnusson.
1: Magnus Carlson?
0: Yeah, Magnus Carlson.
1: No. He's too cocky. Yeah. Although, Kasparov's worse.
0: He is literally... Oh, really? Yeah. Magnus Carlson is the person that literally puts chess players as a pretentious asshole in my mind. Why? I, cause he just seems so arrogant. Like he does these <laughs> stunts where he's like, Oh, I'm going to beat eight people, eight different kids blindfolded.
1: It's not a stunt. It's just something chess players do.
0: I know. I just feel so. There's a
1: really cool, I, I have to take a massive tangent here oh, because boy. there's a really cool story about this. Um, So there's this player named Miguel Nydorf back in the um, early, like the first half of the the 20th century. Um, And he was originally from, I want to say, uh, he was born in Poland. And if you know anything about Poland in the first half of the 20th century, you know, it was kind of a rough place to be. Why? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) World War II. Also Soviets, but that was a little bit later. Um, so he was he was a, one of the best chess players in the world in the 1930s, and then he had um, some Jewish ancestry, so he had to flee to Argentina at the outbreak of World War II. But his family had to be left behind, so he actually uh, he defected. the The war broke out during the Chess Olympiad, which was being held in Argentina at the time, and um, so he basically I don't know if it's defected or just fled, mm-hmm. sought asylum in Argentina, lived in Argentina. His family is still back in Poland. They don't know what's going on. They don't know if he's still alive. Yeah. Tr- it, transmissions are, you know, it's, it's wartime. Communication is rough. He's a random chess player in Argentina. Who cares? So he needs to find a way to let his family know that he's still alive and communicate him. So he thinks, okay, I need to do something that's going to draw so much attention. It's going to get international headlines. And so he played 40 opponents at the same time blindfolded in 1943 and got international headlines and let his family know he was okay. Wow. Yeah.
0: What a dick, <laughs> but also <laughs> super genius. That's no, it's just, it's a really cool story. No, yeah. it's,
1: it, it's a thing. It's, um, the current world record holder for the most, con- uh, simultaneous blindfold games is a total douche team all right team or but no it's that's not a that's not a show-off thing it's okay it's just kind of a yeah no strong players do that it's impressive but it's not they're not doing it to show off okay per se
0: all right You've got my with your rage. Uninformed
1: rage. You've
0: quelled my rage for now, <laughs> Let's sir. Shove
1: that rage down.
0: <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. What um, else do you have to talk about with this?
1: Well, I wanted to to mention that I think Ben Affleck kind of bridges the two categories pretty well. Um, mm-hmm. his movies are creative and they're the kind of movies he wants to make, clearly, because he very much fits into his one particular style he always does. Pretty yeah. crime drama. Um, but he also was going nowhere as an actor. And so he moved into directing, just had to try something. Yeah. So I think it's partly just self-interest there and partly Mm -hmm. creative. And then you come to the people who end up with a really personal attachment to the material for whatever reason and decide that they have to be the one to do it.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so a couple good examples are a couple of the recent one-offs, uh, Krasinski and then actually Bradley Cooper with star is born. um, so, really briefly with Bradley Cooper because you haven't seen Star is Born, right? Nope. So, um it's the third time that the movie has been remade.
0: Yes. Um, no, third time it's been made. Third time it's been remade. Remade, okay. I was getting priced on that.
1: Yeah, there's a 30s version, there's a 50s version, there's a 70s version, a 70s version with Barbra Streisand. Barbra Streisand. And then 28... ooh, ooh, ooh. And I'm done. Yeah. 2018 Bradley Cooper Lady Gaga. Um so he didn't really know that he wanted to end up doing this, but the um, he had a version of the story um, that really spoke to him, um, and his dad died like right about the time he was starting to percolate these ideas, and it mm-hmm. kind of injected a sense into him that he wants to do the things that he really wants to do. Instead of doing a bunch of movies and just doing decent, you know, Bradley Cooper good actor work, he doesn't yeah. want to do Limitless anymore, he wants to do the best things he can. Yeah. And so the opportunity comes along to direct Star is Born, and he finds a way to tell the story, which the story is always about the the older star who starts breaking down because of their usually alcoholism. Yeah. And then helps the birth of the new star coming up. (laughs) Preston looked at his drink glass. I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) Um, but it was, it was really personal for him because of uh, his own battles with addiction, um, and then because his dad dying was kind of the emotional impetus that put him on that path. Yeah. Um, but I really want to talk about uh, Krasinski and
0: Quiet Place. Yes. Um, so, he read what, the script. What took The Office gym to make that movie? <laughs> yeah. Not just to star in that
1: movie, because he... He didn't want to be in horror movies. Mm-hmm. He wasn't interested in horror as a genre until he read the script for A Quiet Place.
0: Till he read or wrote? Read. Who wrote it? Not him. Oh.
1: No, yeah, writers and directors don't overlap as much
0: as you think. Oh. Well, that goes. there goes all of my preconceptions about
1: <laughs> the world. Yep. Learned something new here today. Yep. Uh, like we said,
0: unqualified podcast.
1: Yeah. He, I mean, he certainly refined it and have had some overarch. I don't know if he actually had a writing credit, but I'm checking right at this very
0: Didn't moment. Didn't Emily Blunt say, if you don't cast me as this in this movie, I'm going to divorce you? Something like that? Not in so many words. There's some fun backstory there, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, John
1: Krasinski does have a writing credit, but the script originally just came across his desk. Gotcha. Or I don't know what John Krasinski has in place of a desk. Probably just a desk seems like the sort of guy that would just have a a nice solid desk yeah don't know why i'm talking about this
0: maybe it's uh maybe um... it's jim's desk (laughs) he just has the desk from the office and he just sits in that and like leans back playing with a pen looking at blank camera in corner
1: I was gonna say maybe it's freudian i don't (laughs) actually mean desk (laughs) anyway uh yeah no this this came across uh, and he was he was interested by it he was really intrigued by the story and the The idea of, okay, there's all these Hollywood movies and there's so much work that goes into loud sound design and sound design that's designed to make you tense and intimidate you by its presence. And he's intrigued by this idea of tension via absence of sound. And so he he digs into that a little bit with the script. But what really got... So he wanted to be in it. He was Mm -hmm. first approached to act in it. And what really got him to want to direct it was the birth of his second child. Oh. Because he he rereads the script with that perspective, and he's thinking about being a father, and he's got all those new fatherly hormones and new baby (laughs) smell in the house. And he's like, this is a dad movie right here. Yeah. And it really is. It's an all-time great dad movie, if we're being real here. But that kind of sets him on this emotional arc of like, okay, I have to do this. I can see the realization of how this is going to work. I'm going to put my heart and soul into this. Yeah. And then he's trying to cast the the female lead. Um,
0: <laughs> he's like, who better to to match with the, my children, my brain, than my wife? Except he didn't think that at That's first. True.
1: He was he was pushing. He was he was looking for other people. He was kind of exploring his options, um, kind of thinking, oh, well, maybe Emily Blunt could be in it, but we'll we'll kind of see. Um, and she hadn't read the script for a while. Um, she read it like
0: on a plane, didn't yeah, she? Yeah.
1: So she she hadn't read it, and then he gave it to her to read on a plane, and she like read through it and was crying by the end. And like, yeah. this has to be me, cannot be anyone else. Has yeah. to be me, and it worked so well because we get that the the chemistry between them, the emotional connection, um, just yeah, yeah worked really well. Yep. So I think the the other driving force that can bring an actor in is if they just happen to stumble into a story that really speaks to them. Yeah. Um, And you see that with, with Cooper, you see that this with Krasinski here. Um, Clint Eastwood with unforgiven is actually a pretty good example of that. He was already an established director at that point, but he came upon the script. Yeah. Um, I think someone had just sent it to him to look at um, and had said it was terrible and he shouldn't read it. (laughs) Good. And he read it and he says, oh my gosh, this speaks to me. I can do this as the ultimate anti-Western and like do a whole thing about my story. Yeah. to, to, To tie it back to that. So finding that personal connection. That's another, another motivating force there. And I think those are kind of the big, big three. Yeah. Um, If we're ready to start heading towards the thesis. I'm ready to start heading towards. You're you're yawning. You're clearly crashing. I'm
0: starting to fall asleep. (laughs) Not because you're bored. Mostly because you're boring.
1: But I am boring. But also because I
0: had coffee about four hours ago. So it's like, not four hours ago. It's 10 o'clock. Five, six hours ago. So it's starting to go bye-bye. My big gulp hasn't worn off yet. I got a lot of energy. It's great. (laughs) I got to (laughs) pee. Oh, God. Well,
1: thesisize. All right. Yeah. So there are a lot of reasons that actors might become directors. Um, oh, I forgot something we were supposed to do. We're supposed to see if we can make some predictions for actors who haven't directed things that might become directors. Yeah. We mentioned this uh, in the news episode actually last week, but uh, David Malkian or and slash uh, Dalmatian might be a good candidate for that. Yeah. He's an interesting creative dude. He's got some writing credits. Um he puts a lot of work into his characters he's he's someone that i think might be a candidate
0: tom hardy why he's it's, it's so diverse like things like lock mm-hmm. and then all of his action i guess he's mostly action a lot of but, like a lot of the action stuff he's in are genuinely good stories like mm-hmm. mad max fear road is a great story mm-hmm. uh i mean it being in, in any movie with uh uh Chris directed by Christopher Nolan has interesting stories I think yep. he's got a lot of like little interesting tidbits he like he's picked up along the way yeah yeah and also he's probably tired of being typecast as a brute douchebag yeah fair enough <laughs> yeah no he
1: he was someone I thought of but it, it didn't quite click for me um I've never had the sense from like his outward public persona that he is someone that is that creatively motivated necessarily uh-huh. not to say that he's like a lazy actor or anything yeah but he, he's someone that hasn't put that much energy to it. And so when I was thinking about this question and I got to think about it in advance of the episode and I got to put you on the spot no, and no. you got to say a dumb answer and I got to shoot it down. Eh,
0: that's all right answer.
1: Yeah. Um, so I was thinking about people who have a public persona and clearly have some creative energy. Someone who recently got their first writing credit on a movie. Um, someone who has, pushed for creative decisions behind the scenes and has affected the direction of movies and the direction of um, entire franchises, you might think you might say.
0: Zack Snyder.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, wrong. Um, And someone who apparently people like to work with.
0: Only person I think of is Jason Momoa, but he's not very diverse. I don't,
1: yeah, I don't think he's quite on that level he he doesn't have the established tracker i'm trying to think is it someone who's like also someone whose career as an actor might and might turn on a downslope before too long how old old are they uh like 40s at this point i think i got nothing ryan reynolds oh
0: yeah he's
1: got a screenwriting credit on deadpool 2 he kind of single-handedly along with this entire army of fan supporters on the internet drove, thanks, Deadpool. Guys, the real heroes, yeah. drove Deadpool and is continuing to make sure that Deadpool is going to be treated with its proper respect yeah um, he's a, a creative guy he's often the like you don't see this a lot with movie stars but he's often the guy like personally putting out promotional material and stuff and talking yeah. about ideas and decisions they made Um, he's Apparently, by all accounts, a legitimately charming
0: and likable guy. Um, he's got a lovely competition with uh, Hugh Jackman, which I love just yes. watching any development <laughs> of that. That's so much fun.
1: Yeah, um, he gets along well with people. He has a well established st- established rapport with a lot of actors, um, and he's mostly been playing the kind of guy who plays sort of the the pretty boy. Yeah, he's getting older. He's he's the father. That door's going to close eventually. It feels like a natural step for him to move into directing at some point. So I'm I'm for it. I'm putting it out there. That's my prediction. I think Ryan Reynolds will start directing movies at some point.
0: What about Ryan Gosling? Maybe. Because I'll be honest. When you said Ryan Reynolds, my my first thought was like, oh yeah, like he was in like La La Land. It's like oh god, uh, Reynolds.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I could I could see Gosling too.
0: But um, no, I I agree. Ryan Reynolds would be a really good like he'd probably end up directing because he's young i mean
1: not that young not
0: young young but like he's young
1: take a guess how old do you think he is? uh
0: 43 i mean that's not that young is it <laughs> young for hollywood oh man i have to do math in my head 44 oh you're impressive shit <laughs> i'm pretty sure i also knew this at some point okay like, yeah i think i remember when he turned 40 and it was like a little bit ago but, uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. I can totally see it. Did you finish chel- uh, Finish thesisizing? No, I didn't even start my thesis. Oh, I got sidetracked by making size. predictions here.
1: Thesis. There are many reasons that an actor might become a director. They might move into it because out of career necessity, they're not likely to be successful as an actor. So they try their hand at directing, discover they're very good at it, like the creative process. Uh, an actor might become a director because they are just a creative person and they're engaged with all aspects of the film production and the story and the characters. And they like the idea of telling their own stories and being in charge, or they might just be an actor who comes across a script or a particular story idea or a particular character that they fall in love with. And they have to be the one to tell that story because it speaks to them so personally that they have to express their vision. Or they can be Angelina Jolie and make two hour PSAs.
0: What was this? Well, that was one sentence, but you would just get so many marks off for how long of a sentence that was.
1: I got away in high school <laughs> with a 125-word sentence in an essay, and it worked. It was grammatically correct, and it was not a run-on. Shallst we? We'd probably better shallst. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, this is the... <laughs> This is really the first full content episode yeah. accidentally, so... An
0: hour and 15 minutes. I, was, I
1: wasn't meaning to talk that much. I didn't, Good luck, Gage! I didn't think I had that much to talk about, but boy, I really went for it, I guess. That big gulp uh, hit me hard. Uh, we're on a variety of different audio mediums. SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio are kind of the big ones that I can always remember off the top of my head. Uh, we're also on social media. We have a Facebook. I keep promising the Zack Snyder Justice League review. It's probably... Maybe happening, I don't know. No promises, except I promised it already, so it's gonna happen, definitely. Not gonna happen more so than my Wonder Woman '84 review ever did. Um, we're on Twitter at Just Us Losers Pod, where eventually Preston will have enough time to craft some interesting, engaging, and sufficiently angry tweets. Uh, unlikely. Unlikely. Okay, not gonna happen. Never mind. Disregard. We don't have a Twitter. Uh, we're on Instagram at just us losers pod. I mentioned it at the top of the show, but I'll say it again. Uh, check out our highlights there. We do a lot of interesting fan engagement stuff. That's kind of the, our, our main vehicle for social media at this point in our, our uh, adventures in podcasting. Um, we have a Gmail just us at gmail.com. If you think that my categories are stupid and dumb and have a 17 category breakdown on the types of actors that become directors let me know. That's just us losers pod at gmail.com. Um, or if you think that I'm brilliant and want to uh, write a five paragraph essay to lay out my brilliance before the world, tell me, and then I can read it verbatim on the next episode and feel good about myself for once. It'd be nice. Uh, let's see. I, we're on YouTube. We do little, uh, short, shortened kind of edited down versions of, well, now it's going to be both the discussion and then we'll also put out one for the news and what you've been up to. Yeah. So you can check that out, you can send that to a friend if they want to maybe get a little taste of us before they down a full glass. Um that big gulp's getting to me and I'm thinking about drinks now. So um Wrap it up. All right. Uh we don't know what we're talking about next week. So let us know. Uh yeah, it's two weeks. it's really 2 weeks from now. Although if you here hear, are hearing this episode. It's one week until the time we are recording that next episode. So let us know soon. Because we'll probably have already decided.
0: That's true.
1: But we need ideas. So let us know ideas at those social media places. If you have things you're really interested in hearing about from us, uh can't imagine why, but let us know and we'll uh <laughs> we'll see if we can find a clever and engaging way to talk about them. I think that's probably it. Yep. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.